0: and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in-store, and exclusive access to sold-out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD. And claim money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid
1: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I, Giles Bitter, speak to musicians and comedians about the weird and wonderful on-the-side jobs that they've had before they went full-time. It's the second episode and we've got a pretty sweet guest for this one, comedian Dane Baptiste. You've probably heard or seen him on Live at the Apollo, 8 Out of 10 Cats, Mock the Week and that sort of thing. He's a top quality name in UK comedy and for him to do this sets a new precedent for celebs on the show. Somehow I was able to get him round and yeah, talk about the shit he got up to before he became a full-time comedian. So here we go, Dane Baptiste. Signature brew is the official beer of 101 part-time jobs. You became a comedian quite late on.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. How old were you? 30-ish. No, just before I turned 30. Because the idea was, like, my biggest fear at 30 would be to be, like, unemployed and living at home and not having a family or being single. And all those things happened when I was 30. So I was smashing life, (laughs) as my mother says. Well, I'm paraphrasing. She said something involving smashing, but it wasn't to do with life. Did you quit your job... Yeah, and I did it like Jerry Maguire style, as in I literally said, fuck this, I quit. And not a lot of people get to say that. And also, I was saying fuck this, I quit to somebody that was previously on The Apprentice, which makes it all the more sweeter. Can we get a name? Yes, Naomi Lay, now called Naomi Han. She's on Twitter, look her up. I think she does something on QVC. I don't know, I kind of only focus on terrestrial channels as far as my television appearances. I don't know what Naomi does herself. herself. shopping or... Some kind of local newspaper. Maybe she has a blog. Who knows?
0: Was it in? Was it on, like, the floor plan? Was this in a private office? The fuck you... It
2: was in a private office, but it was with open windows, so everyone could kind of see me gesturing, like, fuck you. Like, if there were anyone who was, like, orderly impaired in the office, they'd be like, Dane is very, very angry. I'm going to turn up my hearing aid and hear what happens. But no, it was, it, was, it, was like, it was like a sustained thing, where it was kind of a sustained campaign of just... What i call menstrual harassment so Naomi and I have a similar age i knew when Naomi was coming on because she used to get menstruation acne so she would break out and her face would get bloated and then she'd come in with like cakes and then just go crazy at me and that's when i always knew when she was about to come on and yeah, it, it, she'd be like well, i want those fucking figures in a hot water bowl day now and i'd be like i'm not sure all of that's in my description what were you doing uh i was doing ad sales but i was like an agency exec so i used to talk to like media buyers and planners about campaigns and then when you go on YouTube and you're looking at a video you want to see and then there's a video you don't want to see before that I would sell that space to uh, automotive companies. That's
0: funny have you seen that come into your career now?
2: Do you think? Yeah like pre-rolls yeah and I just think I just think about how I serve the devil and um, yeah.
0: Pre-rolls I know someone different that's a different name for someone else. Well yeah but no not,
2: not the good kind of pre-roll the boring kind of pre-roll. Right. But, um, I mean, it's, it's good, I guess it was, it's good so far as understanding how digital marketing works. Yeah. And then how much had i was distance myself from it, but...
0: And you worked your way up into that role?
2: Yeah. I worked in media sales, and sales is something where there's not... I mean, you can get promoted and stuff, but most of the time, if people just move laterally, or you just move in order to promote yourself to a different company, so... Yeah. The labour turnover in the sales industry is very high, so... I did bring up a promotion with my management and that's when it all just went wrong. It was like they were almost insulted that I asked for a promotion. But I actually had good stats to justify me wanting a promotion.
0: Uh, you but had your Google, Google Analytics. Like, hey. No, what happened was in the
2: end, my, man, my line manager, so Naomi was my manager and then my line manager, who were, I imagine was born with some form of testagina, so half testicle and half vagina, and that's not me saying that he was born as a transsexual, he just had both. I think his wife had insisted that he take some of her vagina and her last name, but that's another story. But he remained rather idle while I was being kind of persecuted by management. And then when he was up for redundancy, then he presented these statistics, which actually revealed I was doing my job very well. And then he was like, this has this changed, it's all about your mates and it's not meritocratic in this office. And I was like, yeah, but I brought this up a year ago and you didn't care. I did right in that job, but it's just, yeah, sales is, It's just a numbers game, and I just didn't yeah. like the idea that working just doesn't really seem very meritocratic, all that efficient, just to keep doing the same thing until you kind of get a breakthrough, and, I just, sure. and, and also, it's just the uh, perpetual to need to continue to sell and do the same thing, because yeah. you're never going to go into a sales office and see a statue of somebody who did something so good or achieved so well that they commemorate him every day, like, with sales, it's like, you know, inflation, it's going to happen every year, it's going to go the cost of which is going to go up every year, and uh, nothing really changes. Yeah, it's boring. So It's so boring. I mean, you, need, you basically need the patience of a drug addict to do sales, and that's why a lot of people in sales have to do drugs, because it's like begging at a desk. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't look down on people that are, you know, homeless or transients, because I wasn't doing much different. You just yeah. have to keep asking random people the same thing, and it's the same as cold calling, yeah. and get this trinket of money in order for you to get your fix, yeah. and then you go and do the same thing again, and it's like, ugh. Yeah. So comedy can have its ups and downs now, but I just—I guess I got to a point industrially where I was just like, I would rather not know what's going to happen every day than know exactly what's going to happen yeah. every day a yeah, week. Absolutely.
0: So there, there's there's a depleting of enthusiasm that comes with that. I
2: think there is, and 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 also just it's just that, and then I guess my eye just became open just in terms of like what's considered industry in the UK particularly I guess the economic centre being London and then the majority of jobs lying within the uh, tertiary or quaternary industry in, in the service industry I'll kind of like I just have a test whereby I gauge the importance of jobs on a post zombie apocalypse model so <laughs> I explain. if we have a zombie apocalypse or a nuclear holocaust, touch wood then how useful or how transferable will your skills be in the new world and I feel like, you know, people will say comedy is the hardest job to do. I feel like in a post-apocalyptic or post-zombie apocalypse world, I don't know how useful my skills would be, but people need their morale to stay up in order to survive. Absolutely. So that's where I they come to in. Laugh. They need to laugh. They need to laugh. They need someone that's creative just to keep their minds distracted from the, the, from the shit and the fallout and, you know, the lack of drinkable water. Whereas, sure, that's,
0: that's good. Yeah, that's a work, good rule.
2: Whereas working at a desk or being like a chocolatier, in our current economy, that's fine, but we're not going to really need a, a chocolate engineer when the zombies attack. So I guess that's how I gauge the importance of certain jobs within society.
0: I mean, what was your first job? Like, were you at college, school?
2: Uh, my first job was a paper round. That was my first job, and uh, also didn't go that well. So I used to deliver a paper called The Mercury, and um, I had to deliver 156 papers every Thursday. And before I delivered them, I had to uh, put flyers in all of them. And sometimes you get up to like five different flyers of like Chinese restaurants and all this stuff and you have to fill them all in individually and then you deliver them day you get them all on Wednesday, you put all in papers and you deliver them on a Thursday. And I mean, number one, working in papers at the time was bad because the ink runs and I was pretty sure I was slowly giving myself septicemia because I had so much ink on my hands.
0: You on a pedal bike?
2: No, not even a bike. I've got like a trolley, like a, a geriatric lady trolley. And because of the friction of dragging it around of my neighbourhood. Oh these like plaid
0: plaid ones. Yeah, well no, it's
2: like it's like a leather one and then it's like all no, like top and then you put all the papers in. You can't fit them all in so you can fit like a hundred in and then you have to um and it has like a little rubber thing, but that just started scrapes away. So basically as I was going down the street with this trolley, it just sounded like nails on a chalkboard or it's the grim reaper was carrying his side and that's how yeah, it was terrible. And um it wasn't a bad a job. Well it wasn't it was very often not a cool job, so if I'd see like <laughs> girls and stuff you know just pulling and trolleys like you're either shopping for your nan or you just got a very boring job as a newsboy yeah i mean it was, it was hard at first i didn't know how to fold the papers properly <laughs> then i worked out how to do that and then you get like the really like yappy dogs like oh, the yeah. worst toy dogs and this is it a very interesting thing about mammals in that even short dogs like small dogs are the ones that hype the most on the other side of the door so they'd always bite it and sometimes if i got annoyed i was in a bad mood and it was like a Yorkshire terror or something. I'd hold onto the paper and they'd shred it. And, they'd be like, and I'd be like, you can explain that to your own piece of shit. <laughs>
0: so it was. It was, it was what, what came next after that?
2: Well, that, I left that job because they wouldn't let me take time off to, for my moccasins. And then also my mum found like a shitload of flyers under my, ba- my bed, which I hadn't been putting in the papers because it yeah. just took ages. And I was supposed to put them in a recycling bin at some point, but I got sloppy. But the way she reacted, you'd think she found a kilo of coke under the bed. It's yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah. going to go to prison. I'm not going to go to prison because Golden Dragon didn't get to give out their flyers. Like, they'll do it next week anyway. Like, did you go um, college? Did you go uni yeah. after college? So I went to 6-1 so college. So college. And in 6-1 college, I worked in Iceland. Nice. That was a great job. Yeah, 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 That was a great job because where I live, most people went to Sainsbury's. And yeah. Iceland was just a little more laid back. And it's very, yeah. it's very relaxed. You could wear trainers on the shop floor. yeah. And, you know, you're dealing with frozen food. You don't have to interact with people because I hate... Number one, interacting with people. And also, I hate preparing food. I don't hate preparing food. I can't be bothered to prepare food yeah. for other people. So, like, yeah. I couldn't work at St. Louis, because if I ended up on a delicatessen counter, yeah. we're gonna have problems. Too many ingredients. I think one woman got caught trying to steal a turkey, but posing as a pregnant woman, yeah. and then she got caught. Legend. Yeah, and another guy got caught for stealing turkey dippers. Someone else got caught for trying to steal gatos but I had to explain to her that you can get the lemon and chocolate ghetto in the buy one, get one free offer anyway. So there's no <laughs> need for this behavior. Yeah, and then yeah. it was just a lovely uh, transgender lady who will come in um, on Saturday evenings and buy herself her turkey dippers and stuff. But she's coming every weekend, so it was cool. Very nice, relaxed and liberal environment. That's how I liked about Iceland. So yeah, it was nice. And then I uh, and then left college, went to university. And then my first job at university, I was working in another shop up north called Home Bargains. Okay. it took a few years for people to see Home Bargains here but again I liked it, it kept me grounded it was like I was kind of like you know like someone who like, would have been an assassin in a past life and now just wants a quiet life where no one's going to recognise him and no one even looks up and makes eye contact with you and that's what I liked and about was,
0: like and you the same furniture as everyone else
2: exactly everyone's the same no one bad and that's what I liked about Home Bargains <laughs> it was just nice and relaxed and you know and no one from London ever heard of it yeah, so nice. that was fun and when I went after Home Bargains and then I had a brief stint working for a temp company, uh, so what I would do is actually, between semesters I'd work for this temp company and got to work with basically immigrants that were, who had just crossed the border and oh, were okay. barely legal and it was fun, like, they didn't care about our names, we were just referred to as the to Yeah. and um, as long as you had a bank account you could work for them. Oh, and so I, worked, I used to work at like, I was a busboy at Blue Water. so yeah. you know when you go to food courts and stuff and you leave your trays and stuff? I'd be the person that would clear it up and you want the leftovers? yeah well if you want I, oh, yeah, I wasn't that yeah, partial yeah. to the leftovers but yeah. if you wanted you go for it but this was like a time before like Five Guys and Nando's yeah. was that big no, so I, it's like I don't, yeah. you don't want to eat cold McDonald's and stuff no, but yeah. that, was, that was a cool job and um, again because you know again help helped me with my favourite things like keeping my head down and not having conversations with people or my colleagues I mean most of my colleagues were like Senegalese or so probably didn't speak that much English anyway apart from onions and more Hot dogs, yeah, because then I also worked at Charlton Football Ground. Oh,
0: really? You're a Charlton
2: fan? No, not at all, so it was perfect for me. Yeah. I had absolutely no interest in Charlton. What were you ever. doing there? Um, working at the kiosk, so uh, nice. give people like pasties and, and make them hot dogs and burgers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then every, and just you know,
0: I like Charlton fans,
2: I like Charlton fans, and Charlton fans like onions. course, <laughs> every time I'd be there, someone'd be like, We need more onions, <laughs> where are the onions? And so you have to go look, and then the only how difficult you get from well, football fans is. So if you give them bottled drinks, you have to take the cap off so that they can't fill it and use it as a missile. Because yeah. apparently when people are upset at football games, they pee into bottles and throw them at football players. Yeah. So, but then you'd have to explain why you couldn't give it to them. And they'd be like, well, what's wrong with that? don't. you, Mike, what's wrong with you? You think I'm going to take my piss and bottle throw it at somebody? What's wrong with you? And then, well, my husband's not going to do it. And it was, so that would go on. And also well, it was quite cold and sometimes mm. the kiosk. So mm. if you've got like beer and stuff in your hands, it'd be freezing. And then they'd accuse us of stealing the beer. And then the one that our supervisor would be like, I've heard that some of you help are opening yourselves to this beer. If that fucking happens, you'll be back to where you came from. And I was like, that's probably not okay. But I don't imagine this company has any human resources. Turns out he embezzled like forty grand for the company. So that was
0: motherfucker.
2: So it's the people that point fingers, right? Exactly. So, but he, you know, I wasn't there to judge. It was it was an interesting job. And I remember coming home from work one day, and me and my friend used to work there, and we were on the bus and like. He was like, these are some weird jobs, man I guess when we tell this story, it'll be funny one day And I was like, mm, yeah, maybe, I don't know And he sent it to the guy And the guy was like, yeah, man, I know what you mean I've got weird jobs as well And he lifted up this cloak and he had a fucking owl on his lap An owl? Yeah, in a cage, he was like, yeah, look at owls, mate I was like, okay, well He flogging them, flogging owls and I don't know, he was looking after it and stuff But he was just like, yeah, it's my owl, mate And I was just like, well, I guess one day I'm going to tell these stories again
0: Well, here so you he, are
2: yeah, so he was like, yeah, exactly, and it was yeah. a good job and then my next job at university, I finally, I was working at William Hill, and I, I like that job.
0: That's a bit more. It's, I, I feel like there's less sketchy characters hanging out there than Betfred.
2: Uh, yeah. I think I think there. I think there's some there. kind of hierarchy, like Ladbrooks and William Hill and it's, Coral. It's the smart. Kind of it's it's level, the deep yeah.
0: blue. It's the navy blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's smart.
2: It's a bit smart. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit more or less. And, and also, people get to wear a uniform there, but. It was a good, fun job. I mean, Is that good money, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, it's What's, good money. Is it? Is it it's right good money. And... You can ask me about money as much as you want because no. after, well, after work, there was just a whole period whereby like, whatever was in my wallet was all I had. Yeah. So I've learned to survive on a Satsuma and a Scon. For like 12 hours, so you can ask about money. Because yeah. Yeah. now, like, I, I'm grateful to say I make money from doing comedy, but I went so long without money. I don't know what to spend money on nowadays because yeah. I just gave up things like hobbies. I was like, well, like, my friends with computer games and stuff. I'm like, ah. yeah, it's
0: gonna Couldn't deep afford deep those, deep yeah. Just yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. trying to
2: make enough money to put petrol in the car and stop yeah. my mom calling me a failure every week. So, yeah, yeah. those were my main expenses and my phone. But I digress. But so, William Hill is a great job, and uh, I definitely recommend working in the betting shop. Again, because it's my favourite criteria in a job. Do you learn much? About betting? Yeah. Don't do it. That's what I learned. It's like, I guess like when people work in like, do you know when you go to like a nice restaurant and you think people must love it here? Imagine the people that work here, they must get free food, they must love it here. And they're like, so miserable, because by the end they're like, I just don't give a shit. In the same way that people, or when you're a kid you think, imagine you're working in McDonald's, you get free McDonald's, that'd be amazing. And then people that work in McDonald's are like, I cannot go near this food. Mm-hmm. I would apply for a job at Ladbrokes, and it took a while for him to get back to me and I needed work because I had started my second year at uni and it got so bad I was like, oh man, I can't believe it. I was gonna work in Burger King. That's how desperate I was for work. And I'd also applied to William Hill and as I was walking to Burger King to get an application for William Hill ran me back.
0: That's that's a good string of jobs yeah. you
2: got there. Yeah, no loads of jobs. I mean in my house, as soon as your national insurance comes through, your parents stop loving you, and don't care. Yeah. Basically my mum was like, oh, don't be needing this heart of mine. Hey, don't get a job, you piece of shit. So yeah, from like 15. Had to have a job, had to work. And, and also, when I moved, I was to teeny up north, and I say one thing about northern people, when I was, because I was like a teenager, like 18, 19, and everyone I knew had a job. Everybody, yeah. everybody had a part time job. Whereas when I was in London, and I was going to sixth form at grammar school, and my friends, I was like, What are you guys doing on the weekend? And they'd be like, We'll be hanging out in the park and crushing up paracetamol and we'll putting it into hot chocolate. What about you, Dane? I'm going to be working. Working? How can you work? We're studying for A levels, Dane. It's like, Because well, my parents have. Their backs on me, and I don't get pocket money, so yeah. But yeah, William Hills, great job. It's, it's good. I mean, at first, of all, it wasn't so great because I was slowly going towards having lung cancer because you could just when you could smoke indoors. Oh, and basically, thing, yeah, working in a betting shop is like sucking in oh. a sauce pipe, yeah. yeah. So that was crazy. And but it's nice, it's just quiet. And uh, depending where you go, like there's certain parts if you're in inner city London, and people are quiet and they kind of leave themselves keep themselves to themselves. If I, I used to work around South East and like the Kent area, so sometimes if people do really well, you get tips where they'll buy a round of like cans of drinks and buy you soft drinks and stuff, so it's, it's, it's nice. Or you work in central London, people are friendly and stuff, and they'll give you tips every now and again. Um, so it was interesting to watch, but what put me off gambling, other than working there and seeing how very sad it is to see someone be there all day, was there was a guy who did a... I think he did like a pound fifty Greyhound accumulator, and he won about four grand. Joking. Yeah, and I, was, and I was like, why am I wasting time in university when I could be... And then my manager looked at me and was just like, we'll have it back in a year. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, that's sobering. That is sad, isn't it? It's very sad. That was very sobering. So, mm. yeah, kind of put of gambling. So I, I, don't really, I don't really... And I just didn't know about it as well. And I just felt, if I get into it more and I don't want to be around all this money and all these safes if I have, if I get into gambling. And then mysteriously... As I began to leave William Hill, because I would work in different shops around the southeast, and mysteriously, within like a week or two weeks of me leaving a shop, it'd get robbed. There'd be an armed robbery.
0: That more than once?
2: Yeah, there were four times. So they thought it was you? I don't know. I mean, the fact that they didn't think it was me, because to be honest, <laughs> that's suspicious. Given, yeah, didn't I mean, I could me. very easily have been casing the joint, so it was massively suspicious. but... I was expecting because everyone just thought when I work part-time like my basically output like verbally you like people be like he's like, like Forrest Gump he barely talks and he just keeps himself to himself and is very polite and uh, so I'd either be like a very an idiot savant or a yeah. serial killer yeah <laughs> this is, I'd be very introspective people you got to look out for yeah someone you'd have to look out for like if I did kill somebody they'd be like it would be like he's so quiet. We wouldn't have suspected him. Uh-huh. It was, it was. I mean, as in my, my demeanor when I was working part time, especially at William Hill, was like so simple. My manager would sometimes send me home before it got dark because he thought I was that simple.